Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of our podcast, Rest for the Weary. My name is Matthew Fong, I'm one of the pastors at Cooper's Plains Evangelical Church. And now alongside our sermon series of the same title, we've been podcasting our way through, uh, really discussing and tackling some of the practicalities of what it means to really live out rest in Christ. And, you know, I've got the joy of welcoming Dr. Carolyn Russell here with us to discuss rest and marriage. Carolyn Thank you so much for joining us today. Oh, Matt, such a pleasure. Thanks very much for uh, inviting me to chew the fat around a really one of my favourite subjects. Thank you. Yeah, great. I mean, Carolyn, you're a long-time GP, but you've uh, GP come couples counsellor. I mean, tell me a little bit about that that uh, change for you and, uh, you know, why, why, why did you do that and why, what do you enjoy about that? Okay, uh, becoming a couples counsellor was sort of the end, really, of my journey to be a, a therapist, I guess, if you want to call it that way. Um, I've always been a GP who was interested in mental health, so did quite a lot of training through the 80s and 90s to do that, as well as in medical education. Um, and I became a, a counsellor through a master's degree in the mid-90s. And I incorporated that into my medical practice until the early 2000s when I decided to sort of hang up the stethoscope um, and purely do mental health, um, but with the knowledge of a GP. Uh, and uh, so I'm still a GP, but I, uh, I see people um, who have a lot of sort of health, uh, health things going along at the same time as uh, mental health issues. But always through my general practice, I've loved looking after couples and families. And uh, it just felt like a, a little bit of a nudge, I think, from God to do something for marriages and, and people and couples within the church so that the next generation can be served well by sort of Christ-like marriages. Mm. Fantastic. I mean, you're a certified Gottman therapist now. Um, for those of us who don't know, I mean, what does that actually mean? Okay, uh, Gottman Therapist means that I've trained under the Gottman Institute, which started out of the University of Washington in the US by a Jewish man, John Gottman, and his wife, Julie Schwartz Gottman. They have given their lives the last 40 years for John um, after fairly poor starts at their own relationships. They, they basically said as Jews that they wanted to actually do something about making their own relationships and marriages in general better in the world before they died, uh, which was a very interesting focus. Um, and uh, so they set up a school and, a, um, and a, a research lab to really find out what helps marriages to flourish. Uh, so they've got a very they've got a very Jewish way of looking at uh, at how people are, which of course for me is exciting because it looks at what the the scriptures say about who God is and what He created us for. So it's not it's not biblical to, per se, although there are a lot of us who do Gottman therapy who are actually Christians uh, because we really like the way it meshes. Mm. So I have done my, yeah, I've done uh, my four levels of training, which meant that I'm now certified to both see couples uh, and to train others in being a Gottman therapist, in being a marriage and relationship therapist. 
Hey, that's awesome. I mean, obviously, you're, you're highly qualified to be speaking on this subject, which is um, great for us to be able to kind of mine your experience with that. But you are also also married. I mean, tell us about your marriage to Norton. How long you guys been married? Uh, well, you know, and yeah. one question we've been asking all our guests is, is what do you enjoy doing your day off? So maybe what do you guys together enjoy doing on your day off? Fantastic. Uh, well, we've been married since uh, 1988. Um, no, I'm wrong. 1978. What am <laughs> I talking about? <laughs> Ten years uh, here there. My, yeah. my graduation year from university, we got married, and um, we have three adult children. Our um, our eldest is turning 40 this year, uh, and our youngest is 35. Uh, and we have one beautiful granddaughter. The others have started a bit late. They're still trying to have their babies, but um, we have a beautiful granddaughter. Uh, Norton and I have had the normal struggles of humans uh, being married in that we're both sinful, we're both flawed. Uh, and that's one of the biggest things for me is to learn that, to accept that you don't get any of this stuff perfect. And um, to be able to work on that and grow is fantastic. So, you know, people can do their own sums, but we are reaching the point of almost 45 years married. And, um, that's been really exciting. We're 44 this year, 45 next year. And um, so we're telling our children they've got to prepare for a big 50th celebration because we want to have a big party and celebrate the goodness of God in a, in a good marriage. On our days off, um, one of our primary things to do is to love our granddaughter. So we just have a blast. We, uh, we, do, we think of fun things to do. We might take her on a city cat ferry or we might go on a, a train ride or a bike ride or a, um, oh, we, we find fun things to do creatively. We love to do that. So relationally, we, we think days off are about relationship, about serving each other, uh, serving our family, uh, but having fun and delight. So at the moment, we have a little project on. So we're enjoying choosing colours of paint, although that's my enjoyment. Norton comes along for the ride. He thinks things have to be painted, but he doesn't care what colour they are. So um, uh, we're enjoying a project of doing up a small house. And uh, so we love to get up there and sand and garden and paint and pretty things up. Yeah, classic, probably a bit of classic uh, male-female thing going on. But, you know, it is it is it is great, though, to hear, you know, you can be married for 45 years and uh, be a marriage counsellor and, you know, it's not perfect, right? Like we're all, we're not. all in the same boat um, in terms of some if of our struggles. I, if I there. had a video recording of this week, there would be a couple of little snitchy moments in there. Um uh, and yet we know what to do when they happen. And it's amazing how much actually just goes through to the keeper now and we realise it doesn't really matter. There are many things that are not worth uh, losing your connection over. Yeah, no, that's great. I mean, because we've, as we've been working our way through this series and this, this theme of rest in the Bible, uh, you know, one of the things we did pick up on is, is rest isn't just kind of ceasing. It's not just recreation but it is in Absolutely. lots of ways about the enjoyment of creation and enjoyment of the people god's place in our lives and you know as a pastor i, I have noticed that you know marriage seems to me to be almost like a little microcosm of some of those struggles with rest and harmony you know it's the most significant relationship we have after our relationship with god i mean um 
so it's great that we can talk to you about this and and just that the bearing that marriage has on our our own sense of rest and well-being i mean when oh. you think about marriage um I mean, it is true that we, we do have big hopes and dreams for what our marriage and what our family life might be. You know, we don't just exist uh, to fulfill our roles and responsibilities, do we? There, there is kind of a bigger dream and picture to that, isn't there? It's really interesting. As the research around marriage continues around the world, the one big thing that really comes out is that people do have a picture in their head of what they would like. It's not always expressed very clearly and not always articulated well, um, but people do have it. And it, and it's usually come from all sorts of places. You know, it's come from something they've liked in, the, in their own past. It's come from something they've seen. It's come from a movie. It's come from a, a pastor. It's come from a friend. Um, and something in us says, I want that. Uh, and... Yes, when you get people talking about it, there's usually a picture. And it's interesting, in our brains, we actually have a, uh, it's like a movie screen in our, in our brains. You know, it's called the cingulate gyrus, and it's the place of, in a temporal lobe where pictures are held. And most people have got a bit of a picture. When they talk about the white picket fence and the small house, well, that is the picture that people play on their movie screen. And if they don't get that, and that's not what marriage looks like for them. There's this inordinate inside sense of conflict and disappointment. Uh, and it's so, so it is worth understanding that we all have that. If whether we can express it or whether we have been given permission to express it is the other issue, you know. And, uh, and some people think they shouldn't have it either. They think, oh, my pictures are all wrong. Somebody else says they're wrong. Um, you know, the Bible says they're wrong. Sometimes the Bible doesn't say they're wrong, but maybe somebody has said that the Bible doesn't actually support some dreams. Yeah. Because, mm. I mean, in a sense, would you say, you know, almost, almost in our picture of rest, you know, family, marriage is a huge part of that, isn't it? Like it's just um, so much of that dream is defined by the kids or the house, the, the, the person you, you're going to spend that time with. I mean, right. Okay. So we have, we have that dream, but then what are, what are the big challenges and stresses that you see couples going through that, um, that you see in your counseling that, that, you know, in some ways seems to shatter that, that picture or that dream. Well, I think, you know, we have a very tough environment that we live in. Uh, over these last few years, it's been uh, even worsened by the level of anxiety and distress and isolation. Um, but I think one of the biggest things that shatters it is the self, self-fulfillment thing that is going on uh, in the world, that, you know, my needs are higher than any other needs that, that need to be given uh, so when I meet people in my counselling room or I teach people or I have weekend retreats with couples, what I find is that they've become absolutely desperate to get their needs met, but have forgotten that actually both people have got to get their needs met uh, as humans or both people have got to work towards that picture that's in their minds. Um, and so that, you know, we know, you and I know that we would call that the, the, the selfness of sin, you know, the, the, the fact that we want to choose how life goes. So we, we live in a community which is actually very self-focused. You know, we even have insurance companies that are all about me or all about, you know, <laughs> uh, that sort of stuff. Advertising is full of it's all about you. 
Uh, and so people bring that into their marriages rather than it's actually all about us, what we create together, which then nourishes the me and the other me, you know. Um, so that's one of the first things. I think that's self-focusedness. The second thing is we live in an incredibly materialistic world um, where the, the desire to get more dollars is sold to us in terms of that will make life better. And so people work excessively hard. Uh, they have less hours because they're working excessively hard to get more dollars and it's always getting harder. Petrol gets more expensive, da-da-da-da-da. Um, and rather than saying, actually, I'll stay at home and do fun things with my wife and my kids, then going for a drive somewhere that costs me money. Um, oh, I've got to make more money so I can continue to go on the drives so I can, you know. And so we live in that materialistic um, sort of universe, uh, which is just putting pressure on everybody. It's huge. Um, the third thing is that there is massive relational breakdown um, in the community from generations. So we don't have generations sitting together and teaching each other how to have rest in marriage and how to have rest with your kids and how to, you know, we're not sitting together at the dinner table and having big feasts of watermelon and laughing together and telling stories as much as we used to, partly because of all those other features that I've said. So I find that for three things. There's that sin-focused selfishness, uh, there's the incredible materialism, and there's the fact that we actually haven't given time for the relationship. There's some really interesting work that has come out of Gottman uh, and out of other places that has actually said that uh, most people only spend about 30 good quality minutes relating in a week as adults. It's shocking, isn't it? Yeah. It's incredible. And you think, you know, this is professional couples, people who are teachers, people who are doctors, people who actually should know better, um, who think that they can make life work on 30 minutes a week of connection. Uh, it just doesn't work. And we know that it doesn't work. Mm. That's so helpful. I mean, just the way in which, you know, all of our life and our desires, they are all knit together and they do have effects on each other, isn't it? You know, as we're talking about, you know, having the appropriate place for work for example and having boundaries and and having time that we actually set aside for other aspects of life that are important for our sense of rest um yeah i think that's such a helpful point to see how they're all intertwined um i mean what are what are some of those key elements that a couple should be thinking about that they need to try and build together so that so that it doesn't just kind of get squished into the corner of by everything else i mean what are those things that couples should be building and working together on Okay, so it must start before they get married, really, in our society. I mean, I'm not talking necessarily about societies where things are arranged, although many couples can do incredibly well uh, if they have the, the right focus in, in an arranged couple's marriage as well. Um, but in our society, people need to spend time on this before they, they actually get married before they move in together. They actually need to get some idea of what those two pictures are. So, you know, here's my picture of what life needs to look like. Here's your picture of what life needs to look like. And it's like, it's like two glasses, two, two, a pair of glasses. There's no point in having one eye here and one eye there uh, because we don't get binocular vision when we do that. But if we actually bring those two pictures together and they layer on each other, we actually get depth and we get breadth. You know, somebody looking at that can only see from there to there. Somebody looking at that can only see from there to there. And the pictures can never mesh. 
So right from the beginning, couples have really got to start thinking about what they like, what they delight in, what gives them joy, what gives them satisfaction. And before they move in together, they need to realise the sort of things they're going to fight about because the very things they like are going to be the things they fight about. Uh, the very things that take their time are the things they're going to fight about and tussle for, you know. And they might not see it as a big fight, but ultimately if it's not a part of their dialogue, it is going to become an irritation, a thorn in the shoe. And then one day when they don't get to do that thing on their time off or on their weekend that they really wanted to do, it'll erupt into something and then they have to do some repair. So right from the beginning, people have got to start to share what they like and what they don't like. Uh, and uh, the second part of that is that when you share it, You've actually got to have the, your partner willing, your, your, your spouse or your, your boyfriend or girlfriend willing to accept some influence. They've actually got to be willing to say, yeah, okay, I'll come along with you and do that. Uh, one really interesting thing is that we in Gottman Institute don't use the word submission a lot uh, because a lot of people really hate the word submission because what they have learned is that submission is domination and you've got to go under something uh, in a sort of a dominated way, which I don't believe is what uh, the, the scriptures are talking about at all. Um, it's a willingness to give up because something's better mm. and something is, is higher and more wonderful. Uh, and the scriptures encourage us as couples to actually outdo each other <laughs> in showing love. I mean, not just for couples, but for friends and for members of churches to outdo each other. And when, when you outdo each other in showing love, then both people get served, don't they? You know, you don't miss out because the other one's serving you and he doesn't miss out because you're serving him. And so couples have got to learn to, to do that very early on. And I, I call accepting influence from each other submission mm. you know yeah and so I think they've got to have a conversation very early on that says I'm a human being I've got an up picture you're a human being you've got a picture how do we make that look like an us that has a double picture so that's right from the beginning mm. now of course when life happens sorry go on you were about to say something no I was, I was just going to try and summarize in a way you know being able to be aware and articulate what that vision is and then in a way, accepting and, and wanting to, to actually grow and support each other in that or kind of bring that, bringing that vision together and then growing that together. Is that sort of what you're saying? You know? Absolutely. Yeah. A friend of mine has a, has a picture of marriage um, and, and she's actually a Gottman therapist as well in Israel. And uh, she has two candles like this. Uh, and she, she picked up this idea from somebody else that she really disagreed with, interestingly enough. And this person had a marriage ceremony in which each person brought their candle in and then lit a bigger candle and then blew their candles out. Now, for me and for her, that just didn't make sense because I've got to bring my candle and it might be a slightly bigger candle or a different coloured candle and you've got to bring your candle, which might be slightly different and uh, might be beeswax and yours is something else. But then you've got to light this bigger candle, which is us. But then when things sputter, you know, when that candle sputters because the wind blows or a tough thing happens, you've both got to have the strength to be able to relight it, you know. And, and it doesn't matter who lights it, it's got to be lit again and again and again. So we've got to work at looking after ourselves so that we can look after this candle 
which is us, the, the marriage, you know. And then that marriage gives bigger light. It's a bigger candle. It's a mm. synergistic candle, and it gives light to both of us. And I think that's the sort of picture people have got to get before they get married and in their early marriage, which is one of learning to serve the other that way and to serve the us like that. That's interesting. I mean, in a way, you don't lose your sense of individuality either, do you? Like you're bringing that into it. Because I think that sometimes I think, you know, out of our sense of wanting to, to serve and to lay down a life, sometimes we kind of take that to mean, well, I, I deny my own my own desires or the way that God's made me. I don't know if it's worth Absolutely. I think we're only half quoting that verse, aren't we? You know, what do we do? We lay down our life to find it, you know? So I think somehow just by laying down, by being willing to bring to us, we find something in that us um, that is just rich and giving and then we grow. So it's this sort of round and round thing as people give. And isn't that the same as, as with Jesus? You know, yeah, he laid, his, laid down his life, knew what he was doing, laid down his life for us. Why? So that he might complete what the Father asked him to do and so that we might have more life. And he asks us to do that same thing. Now, we're not Jesus, not in any way, but he asks us to do the same thing, to have this amazing mystery that as we lay down, not deny all the time and not accommodate to the other all the time, uh, which would suggest the other is not accommodating to me. Then, uh, But as we do that, something happens and there's an illumination in our midst, which actually helps me to find even more of ourselves. You know. Mm-hmm. After 44 years married, Matt, I am a far, far better Carolyn Kay than I ever, ever was when I was Carolyn Kay. You know, I got married at 23 at the end of my medical career. um, uh, And I was a bit of a, my husband would have said, I would hardly let him get a word in edgeways. (laughs) I was a bit of a talker and I always had something to say. and he's very creative, really, and very poetic. And he wrote me this fabulous birthday card just before we got married. And it was covered, covered, covered in lovely things, you know. But right at the end, he said, what I'd really prefer occasionally if you let me get a word in. And he had a little carrot edgeways, little wording edgeways like that. And it really hit me. I've still got it in our storeroom. <laughs> and, you know, I'm a far better Carolyn Russell at 44 years after having learned that some of our rest time, he likes to have quiet. He doesn't want to talk all the time. Sometimes he just wants to sit and read the paper, do the crossword, do the Sudoku, listen to the birds, have me with him, having a cup of tea. He doesn't always want to talk, you know, but he's also learned, and he's a far better Norton Russell uh, after 44 years as well, because he's also learned that I want rich dialogue Mm. and I want researching discussions um you know and he's willing to give that so we're accepting that influence from each other and our us is far more vibrant and gives to each of us yeah hey i mean that's just a beautiful picture isn't it and i do actually love that phrase of accepting influence because it sort of guards against you know it's it's not you don't yet lose or get wiped out by anything you, you there's a role in which you bring you both bring what you both bring and and you can enrich each other in that way that's that's yeah. really helpful and right. to do that we have to accept that we are flawed human 
yes. beings and that our accepting of influence will often be flawed too. <laughs> you know, uh, when you're ill, when you've got something else going on, you're often not as good at, at looking out for the other. Uh, and looking out for the needs of the other and outdoing each other. And so we just have to go, hey, we didn't do that good. And that's part of the rich we that we can develop, which is I think in our rest time, if you keep short accounts, you can go, oh, we didn't do that really well today. We really wanted to do that for you, didn't we? Oh, I'm so sorry. Let's try again. You know? Yeah. And that's so, that's where the importance of being Christian comes in, in a way, isn't it, when you recognise your own forgiveness and your own um, the the sin, the great sin that we've already been forgiven of by God. Um, isn't that helpful for that? I mean, we've been talking a lot about during our series on on habits and patterns of life um, for work, for rest. Um, I'd be really interested in your thoughts on on what actually are the healthy habits, what are healthy patterns for couples. To be doing together you know you quoted that whole 30 minutes thing which seems extraordinarily small i mean <laughs> yeah. what kind of habits do we need to build that that um, life together as a couple oh that's such a great question um and i come back to um what we've seen in the research about couples that flourish um couples that flourish do all the things we've been talking about you know they actually learn how to listen to each other to hear each other's picture you know, they learn to listen. Uh, and once they, once they know that picture and they understand that picture, what they do is they work towards making that picture part of their own. So, for example, we call that love maps in, in marriage therapy, which actually says, you know, oh, you like this. Therefore, in my mind, I'm going to work out how I can create that for you. It might be, um, well, I have, I have a bit of a strange hobby. I like to take flowers and fruit and peel and leaves from eucalypt trees and I like to make smelly concoctions in the garden and, um, and dye flowers, dye fabric. Uh, so it's great fun and uh, I invite my friends around to dye in the backyard, you know. So, uh, But my husband has become um, absolutely fabulous at helping me to do that. He found an old, you know, bit of... A, a stainless steel um, sink, uh, set it up in my backyard and put some water to it. And now I can die to my heart's content in the backyard. So he knows what's going on inside my head and he's willing to give his time and effort to make that happen for me because he knows how much I delight in that. So part of my rest, absolute rest, would be to have him and me picking some, going for a walk, picking some leaves and flowers and vines, coming home. He can then sit there with his newspaper and I can do some bundles and boil them up and make a lot of concoctions. And so that's a love map. You know, he spent time uh, knowing how to love me because uh, he honours that, you know, that's who I am. I've got the same thing. He absolutely loves to do investments. So on some of our days off, he'll spend a couple of hours doing some investments. Now, every now and again, he'll come out to me with this fantastic big thing out of the newspaper. And I'll look at it and I'll go, yeah, all those numbers, I don't know what they mean. But I'll sit with him and over 40 years, I now understand some socks and shares. I wouldn't say I'm good at it, but I understand it. And so been willing to go and, and do that. So we call that love maps. Now, every couple needs to do love maps all the time listening for, for the things that each other love. 
and, and responding to that. So that's number one. The second thing is at least 15 minutes a day, we should be helping each other to, to reduce the stress in our life, which means just listening, just listening to whatever's going on. And we can do that over a cup of tea. We can do that when the kids are in bed. We can do that in the morning. Even if we listen in the morning before the day starts to yesterday's stress and just hear it, mm. give the person a cuddle and say, I'm really sad. How can I think and pray for you today? No. Um, so that's the second thing, love maps and just learning some stress reduction. The third thing is we need to actually carve out some time, which is purely us away from the children. And we say that for at least a half an hour a week, at least a half an hour, and I would say more than that, something where you can almost have a date. And it doesn't have to be an expensive date. It can be a, you know, a candle in the backyard with your favourite meal or it can be a, you know, just putting some nice cloth on the table uh, and that sort of stuff or watching a movie together and curling up under your favourite blankie, um, those sorts of things, something to enjoy together like that. The fourth thing is that, Couples really need to be spending time on the words of encouragement. You know, the scripture is so keen on us encouraging each other as humans. I think we do it really fairly well as friends and mostly in the church. We can encourage our friends and our, our family at church. But you know what? Most people don't know how to say, I really admire you to their husband or wife. So when on a rest day or at any time, you can have a mini rest by looking at each other in the face and in the eyes and saying, gosh, when you looked after Matilda today, I just saw your patience mm. and I admire that in you. Or when you, when you cooked that meal, I just saw the work you did as you were thinking about that recipe and you, you didn't want to spend a lot of money, but you were really honouring our family in the way you did that. Now, that overtness we know is such an important thing to flourish marriages and to get that restful feeling in marriages. Mm. Now, if you can do all those things, it takes about six hours a week. Okay. And that's how long it really needs to take. Yep. Mm. So we may need to kind of do a bit of thinking and adjustment and working out, you know, weeks, where's that going to happen, don't we? Because it won't just mm -hmm. happen by itself. It's easy to kind of get overwhelmed. You got kids coming back from school and there's chaos. So you just get home from work and there's dinners yep. and there's bath routines and whatever else. Yeah. In some way well, you're, you in that, you're in that phase right now, Matt. You're yeah. in that phase right, right now. Mine are older and I can do it much more readily. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But in a ways, you know, I think it sounds like you're, you're really saying, you know, we really got to get into each other's worlds and hear what's going on, give that encouragement, and do that regularly, right? It's not, you know, you, you can't just lump it all up in, you know, we haven't really talked for no. a couple of weeks, but, you know, we'll, we'll go and spend an afternoon together. It, it is, sounds Absolutely. sounding like we're really making that as one of those daily habits almost to kind of go. Absolutely. To... It's very much a daily habit. It's a little bit like a quiet time. As far as I'm concerned, that's actually like your own private time with God, but you do it together with each other. Uh, and, and the us that you create has to show your family that this relationship is important. You know, how do we model for our children what a relationship is meant to look like between Christ and the church? Well, it's like him and me, you know, sitting together, laughing together over a cup of tea, sitting and watching the sunset together, um, talking about our stresses, coming at when you're, when you're cooking in the evening and you're feeling frazzled and saying, 
I just love you for the fact that you serve us so well. What do your children see when they see that? They just see that couple who is intentionally, you know, feeding practically this lovely relationship, which is the way God feeds us. It's constant. It's not, oh, he'll catch up with us in three weeks' time. You know, he does it every day. He's watching. He never slumbers or sleeps. He's wanting to be there all the time. So we've got to do the same thing in our relationships. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's so much more than... Oh, yeah, go on. Can I say one thing? In For couples who really want rest in their marriage, uh, the Gottmans did discover one really good thing. And that is that a six-minute kiss and cuddle every day really makes a difference to your feelings of satisfaction and rest in your marriage. There are many couples in that, you know, 30 minutes a week who hardly even touch each other or mm. kissed each other or held each other, you know. And so my husband often says, hey, we've forgotten John Gottman's primary thing. We haven't had our six-second kiss today. And I go, okay, let's do that. So, you know, such an important part of rest and satisfaction in marriage. Yep. Does six minutes or six seconds? You six say? seconds. Six Did seconds. I say six minutes? Oh, six she minutes said would six be okay minutes. Too. I was like, well, that would be nice. But, you know, even <laughs> six seconds could make a difference. Six seconds. Six second kiss makes a big difference every day. Yeah. Although six minutes kiss would be, you know, pretty great as well even, but even yeah, six better. seconds yeah <laughs> and right. actually might be leading to might be leading to another one of those physical rest things which is actually you know to have a good intimate relationship <laughs> yeah 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 that's right i mean that's that's another big part of it isn't it um mm. which again you know i, I guess if we, if we go there for a second i mean is that something that you would say hey couples you should schedule in i mean or is that one of the things that kind of just changes through the stages of life and marriage together yeah look you know most people when they're first married um if they're healthy and everything else can have a fairly good sexual relationship pretty much anybody can have a, a fairly good practical physical relationship which doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be fulfilling um the best sex comes with lots and lots and lots of good service of each other yeah Getting those love maps working well, uh, being able to uh, being able to say what does my partner like, what do I like, listening once again that picture. You know, if a picture if a person has a picture of lots of cuddling, and a woman say and her husband says, well, no, I don't like cuddling. You know, then they've got a long way to to bring their visions together, uh, and they've got to work at that. Uh, if a husband says sex should be every day. And she says, oh, it should only be twice a week. Uh, they've got a long way to go to actually listen to each other and to negotiate. Um, but intimacy is really important. And intimacy does not have to be sex. Intimacy is the holding of each other. It's the touching of the hair. One of my friends loves to have her feet tickled. I can't think of anything worse but she loves it and that's part of their intimacy together every day is that her husband tickles her feet because she loves it. Um, doesn't always lead to a sexual union, but that's okay. It's their sense of loving each other. Um, so sexual intimacy is really important, but it won't come unless people are serving each other well, humbly and gratefully and and with that idea in mind that they're actually going to hear what each other needs and be willing to accept influence. Yeah. That's the important thing. Yeah. yeah great. Great. 
Hey, some of our listeners might be kind of thinking through their own personal life stage. I mean, do you have, yeah, again, any little tips on on some of those habits and things that, and I say might change through some of those stages, but I think of like the newly married couple, what are things that would yeah. help them build that, build those love maps, those things that they need to do. I think mm-hmm. about the couple who've, who've got a six-month-old at home and, and have just been through a, a blur of um, of life with a newborn or even the couple who may be at the empty nest stage and they're, yeah. they're down the yeah. other end and, again, the game just changes again. Right, yeah. Look, one of the big things is that I, I think every married couple needs to live their lives with other couples, um, uh, with parents, with grandparents, with with friends. Um, and in those early stages of being married, can I suggest to the young couples that the first thing they do is get together with a couple of other couples and be really intentional on encouraging each other to get those love maps going well and to get those, you know, six hours a week and all that stuff, really encourage each other to do that well so that each person is flourishing and they're getting a picture of what their, their couple marriage looks like, you know, the we looks like, the we-ness. And to help get other people to encourage you and, and sort of almost probably exhort you to keep on going. But get together with a group of couples that, you know, you're very intentional and overt with. The reason for that is because when you start having children, you're going to need a lot of people to rely on to be able to get your six-second kiss a day, to be able to get your 30 minutes just to have fun and watch a movie or cuddle up. Uh, if Having a child is a profoundly, incredibly difficult experience. It's a big adjustment for most people. Very few of us uh, go through that without any any challenges. And uh, if you especially don't have family around, uh, you need other people. So I would encourage your church to really have that sense of not just saying, oh, I'll help you if you need it, but to say, you need it. I would like to provide something for you, you know, can I come over and sit with the baby for half an hour while you guys just go for a walk? And, and in a way, don't take no for an answer, but be willing to negotiate when it's right for the couple, but encourage them that their time together is so important for the life of that child. Yeah? They want that child to be getting a picture of Christ and his church right from the beginning, you know, which means what do mom and dad, husband and wife do to show us rest and recreation, you know? So get together with other couples. Keep those couples together for your life with your children. When you do have small children, start to realise that a walk with your baby in the, co- in, in the, in the trolley or in the pram uh, is actually a time to connect and listen to each other and update your love maps and go, what are we thinking today? What are we, what's happening today? What have we been doing? What have we discovered we like? Oh, look at the beautiful place we live in. You know, really take that half an hour, even if the baby's asleep, go for a walk, you know, uh, and be, be as a couple. So I would suggest that. So lots of people for support and take your opportunities when you get them. The third thing is reduce your expectations. As a young couple with a small child or a couple of children, you have to be aware that life is very going to be very different for a while. So uh, you have to reduce your expectations and accept that things will actually not go well sometimes and go, okay, so you've got to learn how to go, okay, it's all right. Thank you, Lord, for today. And we'll just start again tomorrow and have a good sleep. 
So that's the thing I would suggest, that one of the things for rest in marriage is to just accept that it's sometimes going to go all skew with. For empty nesters, I think you get that other beautiful added thing as a couple that you can develop a sense of serving others. And I would suggest in the church that this is these are the people who need to be serving our, our young couples to learn how to be rested and appreciating each other and growing in their marriages. We have a little playgroup at our church and uh, the roster is actually of all us oldies. And we come and we serve the mums with morning tea or mums and dads who come with morning tea. We play with the kids. We set out the equipment. We clean up afterwards. We get rid of the leaves. You know, we do that sort of stuff. And it's us as couples who go down and we're just having the best time watching these little people grow, but also helping these mums to have some rest and these dads to have some rest with each, with each other. So as an empty nester, flourish in the, in the weenus but use the weenus to serve. You know, uh, it's so much a part of growth uh, in marriage is, is to be serving and to be humble. So that's what I would suggest. I mean, beautiful. That's just a beautiful picture of the whole community, the body of Christ mm-hmm. serving each the other. The body of Christ, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yes. Grandmothers and grandfathers loving, you know, men who love young men and how beautiful that picture that Paul picks, you know, that multi-generational picture that Paul uh, has for us where we all serve those beforehand and we all look to what God is doing in the future, you know, because of that and how exciting that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Hey, do you have any tips on, um, you know, communicating those those needs and desires as two different people? Um, you know, when I do think about about rest together, one of the things that jumps to mind for me is is what does a family holiday look like for us? And you know, for Bonnie and I, yeah. uh, we have wildly different ideas about what a restful holiday might look like. But how do we how do we go about communicating that in a way that um, that brings us together, rather than creating conflict or exacerbating yeah Yeah. creating tension wow you know when you talked about holidays and you alerted me to that in your question I have this very clear memory in my mind in this same study where I'm standing right now trying to plan six months out of Australia in 1992 a long time ago now 30 years we'd only actually had you know 14 years of togetherness at that point and we weren't quite as good as we are now We were going away, taking my dad for six months and taking our kids out of school, which was in itself a big deal. And um, my lovely lawyer husband came to me one day and he said, look, you know, I've got this itinerary all planned out, you know, for the times that we've decided on. And he said, I want to lock in everywhere that we're staying for the six months. My brain went, what? (laughs) How can you do that? You know, and. And he's going, oh, of course I can do that, you know. Um, yeah. And if honestly, uh, if if the end of that room was the end of a tennis court, like away, that's how much that's how long it felt. It felt like this room, which is about four more, maybe four meters long, was actually so distant from each other. We felt so far apart in our values and our desires for that time away. And of course, a bit of a problem, a bit of a conflict ensued. And we just had to, this is before I was a therapist and really understood, we had to sit and listen to each other for over a whole day to find out what we were going to do. Because what I wanted was to land in Italy uh, and have, yeah, pensione for the first day. But then I wanted to head off and explore, you know. And he's going, 
darling, we've got three little kids and your old dad, you know, who's going to be with us. We need to give him a, a bed and a place to stay. And I said, yeah, for a couple of nights, but sh can't we have a few weeks that are not, you know, not man down? So, of course, there's my picture. There's his picture. He's a lawyer. He's also responsible. He saw himself as responsible for the care of his family. I'm this creative, want to go off and ride off into the sunset and, you know, make colours and, you know, I don't know, you know, drink margaritas or something. I ideally didn't want to do that. But, you know, want to go somewhere and just, oh, if we find a place I want to pull up and stay. So we had to then go, what will we do? So how do we do that? The, the most important thing to think about is that it starts usually, conflict starts with the dream because the dreams are not matching. But conflict also starts with us not acknowledging how important it is to us and being able to find an emotional word that goes with that. So as I look back on that, and maybe you might be able to, you know, you might have thought the same thing. As I look back on it, it's some of the things that I was dreaming of in my, in my holiday were not there. I was going to be devastated. <laughs> yeah. So I had to acknowledge my sense of devastation. He had to hear my sense of devastation and respond to that, not necessarily do anything about it to start with. So what you start with is, I just feel desperate and devastated by the fact that we won't have any flexibility. So remember, I feel devastated. So you've got to acknowledge how much it means to you. And he had to do the same to me. I feel absolutely despairing that you can't see how responsible we have to be. Yeah. Now, then he said, no, I'm blaming you for something there. He said, but I'm taking this responsibility so seriously and I feel a bit overwhelmed. Yeah, ah, oh, I'm devastated. He's overwhelmed. And we could both then listen to each other and go, okay, so what is it that you're devastated about? What is it that you're overwhelmed about? We then hear the story about it without blame, just listening, and that helps us to know what's in our heads. As we heard that, about 24 hours later, I was able to go to him and say, okay, what, what I'd prefer is if we set up the first couple of weeks and a few days in each place that we knew we were going to so that your need to have certainty for care of your children is there. But what I'd prefer is if we had a couple of times that once we were established in this travelling thing, we could look for something different so I could use my creative juices. So we tossed that around for a couple of days and then we came. So it sounds like I feel about this story, this picture in my head and what I'd prefer is, and we're inviting the person to listen to that. Yeah, we're inviting them to listen to that and then just to accept some influence, take a little bit of move towards us so that we can then start negotiating. And by doing that, we're bringing our two pictures gradually a bit closer and we can overlap on the things that are really important to us. Of course, I share his importance of our children and I wanted certainty and care and responsibility for them. You know, I think I was saying, uh, of course, I, I share his need to be responsible for the care of our kids, you know, and I share and I understand that. And so I didn't want to take anything away from him in that and he knew that I really wanted to go and explore uh, and so that's part of the reason why we had started this whole thing in the first place so, you know, my 
uh, it was important to us to, to do that. Um, and so over the next 24 hours, we were able to negotiate that we both got his responsibility and my creativity and, uh, you know, exploration. And what's really interesting is I've grown in responsibility over those following 30 years and he's grown in creativity and spontaneity. Yeah, as we've, we've relived that holiday thing many times in our lives, Matt. And, uh, and you know, I want to encourage young couples, don't think you're never going to get it uh, right. It's going to come, but you've got to keep working at it uh, so that then you can just go, oh, this is what he'd like. Oh, I understand now. That's why he's asking to go there. You know, oh, she likes that. Oh, that makes sense. I'll go and do that. I mean, for example, uh, I have driven very fast around Mad Panorama, Bathurst Circuit, you know. That is not something that I really like to do, but, uh, well, he didn't drive too fast, but <laughs> I'll tell you, it, it, it was a bit hairy and uh, just he, that had been part of his childhood and he wanted to see it and drive around it. So we did. Uh, I'm not all that interested in burning up petrol, but it was important to do that. Uh, he comes and sits in a quilt shop. Um, in all sorts of places. And he's even interested in buying the colour of thread I need because we've worked on that, what, what's important to each other. Yeah. Yeah, so in a way, to summarise, you know, there's listening and understanding what's that dream that's that's there, that's being presented, mm -hmm. or that's, you know, when you notice that something's tweaked, then understanding that for each other and, and listening and accepting, being open to accept a bit of the influence of that and then mm -hmm. kind of plotting your way forward. So that's yeah. sort of a fair summary on that. Yeah, and making sure that you can actually notice each other's feelings. Mm. You know, not so much what you think about it. The first thing has to be the intensity that it matters to us. I guess that's why I'm saying feelings. There's an intensity. If, if our partners, our husbands, our wives don't recognise the intensity, um, and, you know, when I think about this, I think about Jesus knew what we were suffering. <laughs> you know, he, the Father, God inclined his ear to us. He, he hears us when we cry out. And, and that's who we've got to be for each other. We've actually got to cry out and say, I'm devastated. Not because you did this to me, but I'm devastated because something in this in me is not feeling right. I'm devastated because something in me is not feeling right. And it's because of this. Mm. And we're expecting the other person to have that character uh, that says, I'm willing to hear and lean towards you. Just learning from God how to incline our ear to each other. Yeah. That's really important. Yeah. Yep. Great. Great. And thanks for sharing some of that, that story too. Great story. <laughs> um, you know, as, as we conclude, Carolyn, I mean, what would you say would be some of the conversations to go away and have with your spouse or, you know, if couples are watching this together, what are some of those conversations that they should go away and have together now as a result of some of the things we've discussed? Mm. Well, I think the first thing is just to say to each other, where are we at? How are we going? You know, and to give each other a bit of kudos for the things that are going well. Please don't focus on all the negatives, you know, just think about your week and go, what are we doing well? and admire each other and be thankful to God for each other and, and just say, you know what, we're pretty reasonable parents. We're not perfect, but we're okay. And we get to things on time and we get to church five times out of six and we, you know, be really encouraging of each other and celebrate the goodness. That's one thing. Second thing is learn what gives you fun 
and make sure you program it in. Make sure you program it in. Uh, learn that the best, the, the best foreplay for anything intimate-wise is to be so connected and know each other so well that you can give each other those gifts and regularly catch up about the things that are, are, are important for your future and start to plan them. Uh, start to dream together and put some of those dreams into your lives. Um, make sure that you and your, your partner are more important than your kids. That, that feels like a weird thing to say in many ways, but our world thinks uh, kids have to be um, the be all and end all of everything. They mustn't be, they are served well by a rich relationship. They're served well by parents who are rich in marriage and uh, who are so um, so are so in love with each other uh, that they the bride and Christ. It's like the bride and Christ. We just love it so much. Um, and yeah, that's what I would suggest. And and that you do that in a place that you love that you create things, whether it be a small glass of wine or a cup of coffee or a, your favourite, uh, whatever it is, you know, um, in a favourite place, find a, find a bit of a ritual in your life that you build. And uh, there's lots of rituals in rest and make them work for you because your body and your marriage and your children uh, will recover well because of it. Yep. Great. So some homework there for those who are tuning in here today. Um, any last kind of comments or, or any perhaps resources or anything that might be worth following up that could be helpful for couples? Right. Look, if, if people want to get onto the Gottman website, there are some really good little videos about um, making marriage work and the principles of, of Gottman research, uh, which is helpful. Or you can get onto some of the books like Look, Marriage Matters by Winston Smith is a useful one that comes out of Philadelphia, out of Westminster Theological. I like Winston's work in, in marriage as well. Uh, there's a lovely devotional for couples called A Seal Upon the Heart by Tim and Kathy Keller, which I'm finding really rich. It's just a small daily, you know, let's look at things together. And even that practice every day. Uh, of sitting and doing something together is a really nice one. Um, then there's a lovely book called um, Created for Connection by a woman called uh, Sue Johnston, uh, which is about by her and a Christian therapist in Canada who are exploring um, marriage from a Christian perspective, marriage therapy from a Christian perspective, and really helpful for couples to have a look at as well. So they might find that. Uh, Created for Connection by Sue Johnson, A Seal Upon the Heart by Tim and Kathy Keller, the Gottman Institute, Eight Dates, uh, Conversations for a Lifetime of Love. Eight Dates is another really good one. Um, and then uh, there's a few others. Look, Keith and Kathy Condy have got some great stuff as well in their marriage workshop, which is great. And can I encourage any couples who may be interested, there's an Art and Science of Love uh, workshop being held uh, in the middle of the year, uh, hosted by RAPHA Health, R-A-P-H-A Health, uh, running at, at uh, South Bank uh, for two days. You can stay if you want, or you can just come for the days. And it's set up for couples to just have a marriage retreat. Uh, so, and if there's any pastors or Christian workers interested, I'm running one up at Mullaney um, in June as well for, for Christian workers. And just give yourselves the luxury of two days together to just share and do some of these tasks and maybe get yourself back on track. 
Fantastic. Well, Carolyn, thank you so much. It's been a really great, rich conversation. Um, thank you for sharing of your expertise, but thank you for sharing of your life as well. Um, so, uh, you know, I think we're all going to be really grateful uh, for hearing you on this. And uh, so, yeah, thank you again for joining us. It's been an absolute blessing to have a conversation with you, Matt. Thanks very much. Great. Okay. Thanks, Carolyn. Okay.